Hello and welcome to the Edify Podcast. This is designed for you, preacher, teacher, shepherd, deacon of the kingdom of God, for your edification, for your uplifting, for your ministry. Let's talk about illustrations and using them wisely. Um, J. Kent Edwards said, When amateur communicators see lost looks on the faces of their listeners, they say, Let me repeat myself. Effective preachers respond to those lost looks with the words, Let me illustrate. Jesus is history's greatest teacher. I know that. You know that. Wayne Jackson has a great book, Jesus the Master Teacher. I would uh, suggest that for your personal library. Um, when it comes to teaching, we would do well to look to the Master, to learn from Him. And it's interesting to note how, how often and how well Jesus used illustrations uh, to aid His listeners, uh, you know, and to, to, to bring about understanding, to unfold the meaning, to use uh, parables, what we often say, heavenly story, earthly meaning, uh, earthly story, heavenly meaning, h- however you want to say it. But He used an illustration to help them understand a- an important point that He's trying to make, something that was common for them, something they could understand. It was not uncommon for him uh, to relate what he was saying to facts about sparrows and lilies, uh, camels, seeds, uh, grave tombstones, etc. And for good reason. There's something about illustration. There's something about the art of words. Illustrations make a sermon interesting. Illustrations make a point um, more memorable Illustrations can make a point uh, more convincing. Uh, some respond better to pictures than facts. A particular picture that I have that I, I cherish, for me personally, it's one of the most moving uh, paintings that I have. Um, a sweet sister um, by the name of Ellie Leonard. Uh, Ellie was a student at Fried Hardeman, and she painted this picture for the Fried Hardeman Lectures a few years ago. Uh, and it was Moses standing in front of the Red Sea. And it was Moses' moment, just an epic painting. And I said to myself, self, i got to have that painting. Just love the, love the picture, love the thought, love the idea of God moving, uh, moving for his people, moving the world for his people, literally, the oceans. And so that, that, that stood out to me. I, I love art. I love pictures. And so illustrations can, can, can do that. Uh, some people respond better to pictures than just to simple facts. That's just our minds. They illustrations they they make a point maybe more clear, more understandable. Uh, they make a truth motivating. Uh, they help activate uh, the hearing of the disinterested. It can almost be the point where people say, "Okay, now this is what this means for me and for you. This is how you uh, spiritually uh, and sermonically land the plane." It can it can help activate that that person. Um, you can use. I mean, illustrations can be used to involve involve all the human senses in the communication process. Um, just this past Wednesday night, I was teaching the adult class at Piedmont Road in the auditorium, and I was talking about Old Testament worship. And I said, "What I'm going to do is bring a cow in here, and uh, I'm going to burn the hair on this cow, so you can all smell what the Lord said was a sweet smelling savor." Um, as old King James language. Uh, to himself, it burnt hair stinks, and so we all just kind of chuckled. And I said, "No, really, I am, and I'm going to get blood on the floor." Not really, but an illustration can make the point for you. An illustration can almost make the point um, better than you can with words. Some some pictures are worth a thousand words. So illustrations transform uh, the abstract into the concrete. 
They can take what's ancient and make it modern, the unfamiliar to familiar, the, the general, and to the, pra- the, the particular. Um, you think about something that is vague, an illustration can make it very precise. Something that seems unreal with the right illustration can make something very real and something that would be um, invisible, visible. So all of these are just great reasons why illustrations that, that, that are, I would say, wise and good in your teachings but be careful with how often you do use them. I know some people that they that they use only illustrations and they just teach by illustrations and it's just redundant. And the sermon is more about an illustration than it is the actual scripture itself. As I said, one of the dangers in using too many illustrations is that your your listeners may become dependent upon them. Uh, getting a steady diet of some sermons that are, you know, full of illustrations, funny stories, interesting analogies and you know, all of that can make it difficult for a person to sit through any kind of study or teaching that doesn't have uh, the illustrations. And, and that would include your listeners' own quiet times reading the Word of God. You don't want people to sit down to read the Bible in the middle of the week and think, well, it's just not as funny or it's just it's not as interesting when, uh, when my preacher teaches on this or he, he, he preaches on this. And I don't think a good sermon needs a lot of illustrations. Biblically, it shouldn't. Jesus usually used one or two to illustrate his point. I think maybe one occasion, three illustrations. You know, telling the same story over and over, that, but in different ways, and that, that all told the same story. But if you speak plainly enough and explain the context of passage, historical background, um, your, your listeners can, can get a grasp of what you're saying. They can pick up what you're putting down without an illustration. And if you believe something that you're going to teach on will be, um, you know, a more difficult concept uh, to understand, um, then, then plan on sharing an illustration. Help them. Paint a picture for them. A lot of times, if you do your, your word study, your Greek word study, or your Hebrew word study, but but especially the Greek. I love the Greek. I, I love the way that the, the language itself paints a picture. Uh, when, when Saul was persecuting the church and he was breathing threats after the, the first century church, it was the idea of this thrust vapor of a war horse charging into battle. Um, that, that paints a picture and describes the severity and the, and the ferocity of Paul and his passion for trying to snuff out the first century church. That, that can do something for some people. Um, so as I said, if you believe that something that you're going to teach on is going to be difficult, throw an illustration in there. Plan on sharing an illustration, but but it need not be some sort of long, drawn-out story. Most of Jesus' illustrations, if we use the master's teacher picture and idea, they're, they're a paragraph or two in length. Many of the illustrations used in the New Testament uh, are just you know short, simple analogies. Um, James even, James 4, 14 you are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. We all know what a vapor is. We all have seen that. We know that. And so James uses that simple statement and illustration, your life is a vapor, to illustrate the point, the severity of taking a, a an intentful look into your life, spiritually especially. So um, concerning illustrations, use them wisely um, like you do anything else. Um, but... but but also this one, and if you've labored, if you've labored long in, in, in the same congregation and you've, you've preached for the same church, you know, for X number of years, it's going to be kind of hard to, to not tell the same story. But, but I want to shift the focus 
for those of us who are able, don't don't repeatedly use your favorite illustration illustrations. Um, an unknown author said they will think the word of God is boring when actually it is you. So that that but <laughs> that tells you though. You know you've heard old dad. Dad will tell the same story nine times, and you just roll your eyes. Okay, Paul. You know um, that's just that's just commonplace. When we hear the same story, it becomes redundant, and we can almost uh, say the word ourselves. I remember when I was a boy. There was an older gentleman at the church, and he, uh, when he prayed, he prayed the exact same prayer. I could even remember uh, the breaths and where the breaths were that he took in his prayer. That's how how much um, I heard the same prayer in 18 years of life, where I could verbatim say that prayer and say it with the same breaths that he said it. That's that's that's. That's exhaustive, and that's that's not spiritually uplifting. Not judging his heart, but I'm judging the fruit of it, which was mine. <laughs> it was exhausting for me uh, to hear that, and it was it was redundant, and it was it was almost like Padlov's dog. As soon as you hear the keys jingle, you start salivating. It's like the preacher gets up and he always ends the sermon with the same: "Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized." Well, the brethren tune you out immediately. The sermon has taken a nosedive, uh, so we just have to be careful. Uh, we have to be careful and intentional with our words. Jake included. So don't repeatedly use the same illustrations. When you seek to find an illustration for a point, you want to make, and that's the idea, there is a point to be made. There is a temptation to just use one that you've used previously uh, rather than come up with a new one or read about a new one or search on the internet or get a book or whatever. There's a danger through in using recycled illustrations. You heard the preacher say, uh, let me give you this preacher story. Or there's always these preacher jokes that go around the brotherhood that that just, just make you want to gag a little when you hear it uh, because you've heard it so much and you've heard it told in different ways. And so using the same illustrations over and over, it, it dulls the senses of the people that you're teaching and preaching to and it, and it tempts them to tune out. So as soon as you launch into that story, they, they've already heard once or twice the past couple of years, the listeners will think, I already know this. And the illustration is something that doesn't help your sermon, but it, but it hurts it, and it hurts their view of you. They think that you're simple-minded and that you're not creative, that you're not able to produce something more than, than just your usual. I mean, are you reading any more books? Are you continuing to grow uh, yourself and your work, or are you just going to sit like a bump on a log and just, uh, and just be there forever? So the great danger in boring people with old, worn-out illustrations is that they will, they will attach the feeling of boredom um, to the Word of God itself. The, the only time that they may open their Bibles is in front of you and you tell them the same old, the, the same old you know, hat trick and dance that you've always done. That They'll think the Word of God is boring when it's actually you, as that author once said. So it's, it's good to remind people of God's truth, but don't use the same moldy, old uh, illustrations to do it. Get fresh illustrations for timeless truths of God's Word. Um, and so what I want to do now is to give you some some places to help you look for illustration obviously number one biblically uh illustrations the bible is the best place to look and we'll talk about more of that later but but not just the bible but even uh your your life experience things that you've been taught there there have been illustrations that i've used uh in my sermons and my preaching just the other day i think two sundays ago um there was my sermon was the invitation I gave 
uh, it was a Sunday night. Uh, it was about those who hear and that they're Christians and that they, they act like everything's okay when everything's not okay. There was an event that took place that morning uh, that, that I used in my illustration. And what happened was, is I was coming on the interstate, and I was getting off, and I was getting a cup of coffee before I headed into the building. And there was a car parked right off of 285, very busy highway, interstate here in Atlanta, and uh, getting off off the exit, just a few exits from my house, near Vinings. And um, there's a car that's parked in, in the turning lane. And there was enough room for me to get over and get around, but I, but as I pulled up, I noticed that there was no green or orange sticker on the back, so I thought, well, this is a new car pulled over. The state's not been here. So I slowly pull up, and I notice and I look, the, there's an individual who's in the front seat, and his seat is laid completely back. And so he's laying, and he's extended in the car, and I thought, okay, maybe he's passed out, maybe he's just stopped sleeping, but I'm going to stop and check on him, which can be dangerous, especially at 285, and especially near Atlanta. Um, so I get out and I go to look and there's a huge pile of vomit, uh, there, there on the ground by his door. And I thought, well, he's sick. So either he could be diabetic or he's, he's a drunk or, or he he may have some kind of virus or or whatever. And so, so I go to the window and I knock on his window and he's, he's a gentleman with a beard and, uh, I mean, it's a nicer car. Wasn't, wasn't like some bum on the road. And uh, he had vomit around his on, around his mouth and on his beard, and and when I knocked on the window, he popped right up out of the seat, put the car in drive, and took off. And so the analogy that I use is that sometimes I come up to my brethren, and there's vomit on the floor, they're passed out in the car, they they have vomit on their mouth, the residue of their sin and their problem and their stress and whatever it is on their mouth. And when I go to them, they pop up and they drive off as though everything's okay and I'm going to be fine. So that was just a life experience that I got to use, you know, that evening in my sum, in my sermon. And so the Bible, life experience, uh, but also books. When you come across a good quote, an illustration, uh, save it, write it down, uh, take a picture of it, put it in an illustrations folder that you've, that you've got on your computer or your iCloud drive because you're Christian and you use Apple, you know, um, and then, then um, there's a there's a book called the Biblical Illustrator. It's 56 volume. Uh, that's a whole lot. Um, you know, it's um, it's it's a lot of illustrations and quotes. Now it's got it's got all your Denom greats in there. You know, Spurgeon and Henry and Augustine and Moody and all of that. Uh, all of that you can find in Lagos and you know any of those kind of places. But um, Bible.org slash illustrations is a good one. Uh, think about using biographies or news stories or almanacs and, you know, Guinness Book of World Records, uh, other Bible studies that you've used before, other sermons or, you know, whatever. Um, there's even some on Our Daily Bread, which is uh, odb.org. So you can, you can use all of these resources. You can create your own illustrations. Jesus did. Um, you might start off your illustration or parable by saying something like, you know, imagine one day you're driving down the car, or you're down the road, or, or let's suppose your friend comes over to your house uh, and he's really hungry, what, whatever it is. But use your illustrations wisely um, and don't, don't use them repeatedly. I want to shift to the third aspect of this illustration talk. Use illustrations that actually serve a real purpose. John Stott said we have, we have to be 
ruthless in discarding the irrelevant. Irrelevant material will weaken the sermon's effect. Boy, that's true. Illustrations can be big-time wasters and even distractions if they're not carefully used, whiz, you know, wisely used, and if they're not used sparingly. Uh, when you're considered using an illustration, ask yourself these two questions. Number one, does this illustration serve a real purpose? In other words, is it needed? Does it does it does it fit? Um, does it fit the need? Number two, does it help illustrate what is being said in the scripture I am addressing? Keep it in its context. Uh, don't don't come to Bible class with a hobby horse that you're riding in. Use an illustration to talk about the hobby horse and then go off into the text that has nothing to do with the hobby horse. It, it is tempting to come across something that you read or a scene in a heart-moving story and you think, well, I've got to share this with the people that I teach. No, be careful. You don't have time to waste with stories that are not necessary. And you risk the danger of actually... Drawing attention away from the Word and the message God has for His people. The well-known English preacher F.B. Meyer said this of a preacher that he admired. He said, with merciless rigor, he would cut out of every piece of needless rhetoric. As the great artist struck the exquisitely painted chalice out of his picture of the Lord's Supper, because it attracted attention, which he meant to focus on the face of Christ. If your illustration is more memorable than the truth it is designed to illustrate, it could be considered a distraction rather than an illustration. In his book, Between Two Worlds, The Challenge of Preaching Today, John Stott would go on to write, he says, we have to be ruthless in discarding the irrelevant. This is easier said than done. During our hours of meditation, numerous blessed thoughts and um, scintillating ideas may have occurred to us and been dutifully jotted down. It is tempting to drag them all in somehow. Resist the temptation. Irrelevant material will weaken the sermon's effect. It will come in handy some other time. We need the strength of mind to keep it till then. Now, don't betray someone's confidence for the sake of an illustration. That's also a point to reflect upon. Proverbs 11, 13. Let's throw a little Bible in here. He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy conceals a matter. There are people in your life who you have honestly confided in, and they have honestly confided in you. They've confessed certain things to you. They've let you in on their fears, on their struggles. Don't, don't refer to them and their struggles in your illustrations, especially by using their name. <laughs> I was talking to my friend Joe the other day about this struggle, blah, 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 and I got to thinking, okay? <laughs> or there's a girl named Sarah who has a hard time loving people that she works with. <laughs> Don't do that. Rather than listening to how your your story illustrates the biblical text, many of your listeners will start thinking, I can't believe Joe struggles with that, and and they'll start wondering, uh, I wonder who Sarah is talking about. What is it that she don't like? Or, you know, is that is that the Sarah down the pew for me? Or, or is Sarah on, uh, you know, is she the one who came last Tuesday to the Bible study we had? No, it's probably not the one who works at the church. Surely it's not the one who works at the church. And before you're done, the story that you've told, they're, they're still thinking about it. They're still thinking personal. That's just how some people are. And you can't help that, but you can help where you put people's minds. 
So obviously an illustration like this does more harm than good. These kinds of illustrations, they, they lube the gossip meal uh, and communicate to your listeners that you're not a person that, that they should come to for prayer and for counsel, Proverbs 20 and 19. Who wants to seek counsel from a person who might turn around and refer to their situation in an illustration? So don't, don't betray somebody's confidence for the sake of an illustration. Don't, don't do that. Brethren, brethren need you. They, they trust you. Don't, don't do that to them. Next, don't, or, or maybe I should say avoid. Avoid illustrations in which you end up being the hero, where you end up being the hero, where you shine. You always hear the person who talks about their situation and what they have going on and what, 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 what they've been blessed with. I mean, those people are just obnoxious. And even if you are good-hearted and you're you're all about First Corinthians 13 and you're believing the best out of them, before too long, if they keep singing that same old hat and dance tap dance business, you're going to think, well, here they are. I wonder if they're going to bring up so and so in this sermon. They're going to bring up their daddy in this sermon. They're going to bring up so and so in this sermon or whatever. Let's avoid illustrations in which you end up becoming the hero. Second Corinthians 4 and verse 5. You know it and I know it. For we do not preach ourselves but Christ Jesus. It's fine to share stories from your own experiences and, and use them as illustrations. As I just mentioned earlier, I did that last Sunday. I recommend that you do um, use illustrations from your own experiences. But, but be careful not to share stories in such a way that you end up sounding like the hero. I love the Psalms, and in Psalm 115 and verse 1, the psalmist said, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to thy name give glory because of thy loving kindness, because of thy truth. Let's use that old King James for just a second. We want to be a people. We want people to be glorifying the Lord, and we want them to be a type of people that glorify the Lord and not us. We don't want people to leave our teachings thinking, man, oh, Jake, boy, he just... Such a good Bible study student and just a good leader and just so great and blah blah blah. Uh, the Lord will slap us down uh, if we if we get haughty like that. And how amazing that it would 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 it be if people left thinking how how great that was. But but you hear some people that think about how amazing that that it would be if we just came over or we just we 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 have just come over to the rescue. We've come over to the rescue and. We've bought um, everlasting food for their family and and all of that, you know, and you know, and and sometimes we can use our illustrations to to boast about the things that we've done. Be very careful that we don't. Trumpet blowing was what the Pharisees did, Matthew six and verse two, and and it should not be happening today in today's pulpit. Solomon said, "Let another praise you, and not your own mouth, a stranger, and not your own lips." Proverbs 27, verse 2. If, you, if good comes out of something that you were involved with and you feel compelled to share the story, which is fine, uh, and you feel the, com the compellingness to share the story with the congregation, make sure that you give credit to the Lord. Isaiah 10 and 15, Galatians 6, 14. The goal of our preaching is, is to point people to Jesus. And Paul said, we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservant for Jesus' sake. So exalt Jesus exalt him and avoid illustrations in which you end up being the hero <coughs> let's use biblical illustrations um, wisely but also whenever possible Romans 15 and verse 4 whatever was written in earlier times 
was written for our instruction. Although earlier I mentioned numerous sources for sermon illustrations, I really want to encourage you here to try to use biblical illustrations, uh, but you've got to be a student of the Bible. And an illustrative material that comes right from the Bible, whenever you think an illustration would be helpful, just plug it in. Throw it in there. Help them to relate. Tie, tie it together. Put a bow on it, preacher. So, for example, let's suppose that you're, you're teaching through Ephesians 5. Great epistle, great book, and you're going to be addressing Paul's admonition to, uh, you know, Ephesians 5, 18. Don't, don't methusco. Don't, don't be in the process of drunkenness. Don't get drunk with wine. Rather than hunting around for a story in the newspaper that illustrates the dangers of drinking and, and, and all of those sorts of things, why, why not go to Noah? Why not go to Noah in Genesis 9 or, or, or Nabal and his foolish behavior, 1 Samuel 25? See, biblical illustrations do more than illustrate. They teach the Word because they are the Word in 2 Timothy 3.16. The Bible tells us that these things happened to them as an example and they were written for our instruction. 1 Corinthians 10.11 Talking about Noah, Nabal, in an illustration is really going to help expand a person's knowledge of the Bible. And, and how many Christians today are really very familiar with who Nabal was? Maybe maybe they would be if we use biblical illustrations more often. I want to encourage you to do that. And so to help you quickly find biblical illustrations, I want to recommend just a few books. Nave's Topical Bible. I remember one of the, the first Bibles that I left with um, in order to go to the Memphis School of Preaching was my, in my grandmother's library in their back room. Uh, she had a shelf there with all of her books, and one of those was the Nave's Topical Study Bible. And um, such a such a tool. Still have it. Still have it. Still love it. Uh, so Nave's Topical Bible, uh, 10,000 Illustrations from the Bible, The Handbook of Bible Application, and Treasury of Scripture uh, Knowledge. Study Bibles, Bible Commentaries, those concordances can also be helpful, help you to tie things together. Uh, but be illustrative. Use illustrations. They are for our good. Uh, they, they were used by the Lord. But use them wisely. Uh, don't don't repeatedly use your favorite illustrations. Use illustrations that actually serve a real purpose that fits your context. Uh, don't betray somebody's confidence for the sake of an illustration, and avoid illustrations in which you end up being the hero. And so, with all that said, use them and use them whenever possible. May God bless you in the preaching and teaching of His Word with illustrations.